Come on, give Jesus all the praise this morning. He's worthy. He's worthy. Y'all know we have an 11 o'clock service, right? Just want to make sure we have a 9 and 11, but man, we love 9 a.m. in the summertime. We're, we're anticipating, just so you know, I'm an I'm a upfront and honest kind of guy. We know that the 11 o'clock service in the wintertime is going to be the, the most popular one, but uh, actually, hopefully by that time, both services are this popular, right? Come on, somebody. Uh, yeah. Did you have a good week? I hope you had a great week. I hope you're coming off of the best week of your life. And uh, my name is Adam Harold. My wife did a great job introducing me, so I don't have to do that anymore. But um, if you fill out the card in front of you that she talked about, uh, I'm going to send you a card this week. If you, if you share your address, I'm just going to send you a card. We're not going to show up at your house with cookies later today. <laughs> Listen, I've been to churches you give the address, and they show up with cookies later on in the day. We're not that church. So if you're anticipating cookies, I'm sorry. But if you keep coming long enough, we're going to give you ice cream. We're going to give you cookies. We're going to give you all of this stuff. Come on, somebody. So, uh, man, I think you guys are ready to be, not to be preached to or preached at, but you guys are ready. I'm excited. It's going to be a great great day. As I, look at the, as I look at how full this room is, I'm like, man, maybe they heard, of, of course, you know, we, in our human mind, we think that what we're doing is the thing that's bringing people into our church. That's not true. We're, we're just the vessel that God continues to do this. And if, if you're visiting, yes, I do get emotional every service. So um, I think sometimes there's an over-under on how many times I get emotional. <laughs> I'm not sure where it's at today, but because we're doing baptism and the Lord's Supper, it's going to be pretty high. <laughs> I want to think that what we do is why people come. And it has a little bit to do with it, but not a whole lot. And we've been doing a series for the last four weeks that we're talking about church hurt. And so when I look at a room this full, I'm going, wow, there's a lot of hurt people in this world. They heard about the hurt. They heard about church hurt, and they're, and they're coming to see what we have to say. You're not coming to see what we have to say. You're coming to see what God has to say about it. And so... Maybe you're here. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. I want to invite you to, to go back and to listen to all of today, all of the messages that we've had over the last four weeks. Um, RefugeMain.church slash messages. You can go back and, and listen to this whole series. It's, four, it's been four weeks. It's been, it's been decent. Have, have you guys gotten anything out of this series? I hope you've, I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, in week one, we talked about identifying church pain. How many of you know that a, a, a child can identify pain a lot easier than an adult can? We can go to our, we go as, as childs, childs, that's not a word, as children. I also make up words, so I don't know what the over-under is on that either. But, um, but, but as children, we, we know to go to our parents for healing. We go to our parents to help us with our boo-boos. But as adults, we don't often go to God to help us with our emotional, our spiritual boo-boos that we have. I think one of the things that, that, that I'm learning about church hurt is the reason why it's, it hurts so, so bad is because it's emotional pain, but it's also spiritual pain. We're not supposed to hurt spiritually. But because... We, we put our identity in other people. And when we put our identity in other people, what happens is people hurt us. Our, our, in our spiritual life, we're not supposed to hurt spiritually. When our Spiritual life is the way God wants it to be. We, it is impossible for us to hurt spiritually because God will never hurt you. 
But what happens is people hurt us and we translate that as God hurting us. You're not supposed to hurt spiritually. And, if you're, and, and, and so that's why we're, one of the reasons, we're, many reasons why we're doing a series on, on church hurt, because church hurt happens, pain happens. And because of that, we hurt emotionally and spiritually. You're not supposed to hurt spiritually. So we talked in week one about identifying that, but we talked about in week two about responding to that. What's our response when we're hurt by the church? Last week, we talked about the purpose of it all. And um, one of the things that I said is that God allows painful things in our lives to bring us to the end of ourselves, to bring us to the end of our, of our flesh, so that we realize, God, I've tried it all. I'm still hurting. I need you. But God showed me something this week, and that was that, so in our pain, he wants to bring us to the end of ourselves, but also in our victories, he wants to bring us to the end of ourselves. He wants us to realize when we turn and we look at our lives and we see how good it is, he wants us to get to the end of ourselves by saying, I could have never done all this. I don't deserve all of this. And so God is able to bring us to the end of ourselves in our pain and in our hard circumstances and our suffering, but he's also able to bring us to the end of ourselves in our success and our victories. It's all an effort to point us to him. This week, for our finale, we're gonna give you a protection plan for the future. Now, I, I, I kind of let the cat out of the bag last week and I said, listen, I'm, I'm gonna give you a protection plan, but guess what? You're still gonna have pain in your life. It's just gonna help soothe the pain. And so this isn't a protection plan for avoiding pain. You can never avoid pain, but it's a protection plan to help soothe your pain. Pain is inevitable. Pastor Adam, you should be more positive. With so many people in this church this morning, you should be more positive. I'm positive pain is in inevitable. Pain is gonna happen. But the question is, where do we run in our pain? Where do we go to when we're hurt? Who do we run to? Kids know to run to mom. They don't run to dad. They don't go to dad. They go to mom. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12 is where we found our, our text for the whole series. It's found in Hebrews 12, uh, 14 and 15. You can read on the, on the screen in, in front of you, but you can also uh, follow along in today in the YouVersion Bible app. Um, if you have a cell phone, we've put all of today's notes on the YouVersion Bible app. And, um, and so if you want to follow along with what I have to say this morning, uh, you, can, you can follow along there. Hebrews 12, 14 says this, Work at living at peace with, the, with everyone. Work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. I'm going to stop real quick because there's a lot of people that are here that didn't hear me in the first, service, the first week of our message series. We oftentimes think of holiness as what we do. We do holy things. But holiness is not what we do. Holiness is who we are. And so those of us who, are not, who do not identify with Jesus as their Lord and their Savior are not holy. And the scripture here just says, those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Listen, that's why we do what we do. Because we want people, we want to show people that when they identify with Jesus, they will see the Lord. Verse 15 says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up and troubles you, corrupting many. What happens when we're hurt, we experience pain. When we experience pain, our pain, if not dealt with, leads to bitterness. And bitterness is poisonous, corrupting many others. 
And that's what we're seeing in a lot. I, I, I hear people and I see people. And the thing that, that messes me up, and when I say messes me up, I mean it, it brings me to tears. <laughs> There's a lot of things that do that. But the thing that I mourn after is I mourn the kids that have been a part of my ministry all the way up to this point not just kids, adults, people that have been a part of my ministry, and I mourn when they leave the faith completely. It, it breaks my heart, and it breaks my heart because something has happened. It might not have been me, but something has happened to cause pain in their life that, was, that caused bitterness, that was, that was poisonous. And now they hate the church. And because they hate the church, they hate God. And because they hate God, they won't see God. And my heart breaks. And so that's a reason why we've been doing this series. But most of these messages have been, um, have been about church hurt that has happened in our past. But I want you to know today that we're looking to the future. We're looking to the future and we're giving you hopefully a plan that will help you understand God's plan of protection. Because listen, this book has all the answers. And because it has all the answers, we can find a plan for our future. And so to look at church hurt, we've been looking at Luke chapter 24. So Hebrews 12 was, has been our text but we've also looked at Luke 24. You can turn your Bibles. I'm not going to read the whole story. Um, but if you miss any of our services, go back and listen to that. But you can, also, you can also read Luke 24 on your own. And listen, last Sunday we talked about the, the value of a treasure. And, and when we find treasure, we hold it close, we own it. We want to share it with other people. We want to tell everyone, look what I did. And when we find the treasure, treasure in God's word, we go to people and we, we might even start a church, right? So we find treasure in God's word and we value it more. So go back to Luke 24 Read the walk to Emmaus. That's what we've been studying. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a, a quick cliff note review. And then we're going to read just a, a small portion of it. And then uh, we're going to look at another scripture. And, and then we're going we're gonna to baptize some people. We're also going to have the Lord's Supper together. And hopefully by the end of this service, our hearts will be knitted together. So that we can impact this world this week. The walk to Emmaus happens after the resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus crucified, you, hopefully you've gone to church on Easter and you know that story. He's crucified, but he rises again. That's what we celebrate on Easter. This happens, the walk to Emmaus happens after Easter, after the resurrection. And what happens is... Um, there are two followers of Jesus that are walking home to their, to, their, to their town called Emmaus, which is seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, anytime the number seven appears in God's word, I said this this, this week that I, I, we read this. Anytime seven happens in God's word, it's significant. I don't know the significance of the number seven being the distance between, um, between Jerusalem and Emmaus, but seven is the number of completion. And so what I think is God is communicating to us is everything's now complete, but you can notice that things are complete and still be hurt. You can notice that Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord and still experience pain. And so what happens is, is G, uh, these two disciples of Jesus, they're not, they're not one of the 12. They're one of the 72 that, that Luke mentions in Luke chapter 10. And so they're, they're walking home to Emmaus. Jesus told them, if you want to follow me, you have to leave home 
to follow me. And so um, Jerusalem is significant because Jerusalem is where the church was located, also known as the temple. Are you with me? All right. So, so Jerusalem is where the temple was. And we know that because Jesus says he's coming back someday, bringing a new Jerusalem. That doesn't mean he's setting up a new city and calling it Jerusalem. That means that he's bringing a new church. Come on, somebody. One where you can't be hurt spiritually in. And so he's bringing a new Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is significant because that's where the church is. There are two followers of Jesus that are on this road. One's name is Cleopas. We're given their name, but the other one is unnamed. And oftentimes in scripture, I always say that when there is not a name given, it is done that way so that I can put my name in the story. So I can say that Cleopas and Adam Harold were walking on the road to Emmaus. As they were walking, Jesus appears to them. And the, one of the biggest conundrums in all of scripture shows that it says in Luke, um, Luke 24 that God kept them from seeing who Jesus was. We asked the question, now why would God do something like that? Last week, we answered that question. And the answer that we came up with was because there is value and treasure. When you discover something, you want to tell the world. And he wanted these two disciples to discover who Jesus was on their own. He revealed it to them eventually. And he had a plan in how he revealed it. And that's the plan of protection that we're going to talk about this morning. Jesus walked them through the writings of Moses. Jesus, on this walk, he walked them through the, the, through the scriptures, the writings of Moses and the prophets, sharing with them truth every single Sunday. If you're looking for a church that doesn't open God's word, keep looking for that church because it's not this one. We will open God's word every week and we'll look at the truth of God's word and we'll compare it to our lives so that hopefully at the end of the service, we don't walk out saying, man, that guy was funny. Man, that guy cried a lot. Man, that guy was really enjoyable. We walk out saying, man, I got some work to do. When they got to the house, so, so he walked them through the, walk, through the writings of Moses. And as they walked, the, the scriptures actually say Jesus led them to believe that he was going to continue. But the two disciples said to Jesus, no, 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 come home with us. And they're walking to Emmaus because they've been hurt by Jerusalem. They've been hurt by the church. And in their pain, they say to Jesus, keep walking. We want to hear more. And so we'll pick up our story from the house of where Jesus and, the, and these two disciples were at. But before we continue in Luke 24, I want to point out one of the, the deepest truths that I've ever learned, the most revealing truths that I've ever learned that I shared with you in week one. And in fact, I've, I've even said that I will preach this in every single message for the rest of my life because it is so foundational and so important. The truth is this. I gave you a pattern to God's kingdom. And the truth is that the pattern in God's kingdom is three lanes. Number one, the first lane is the most important lane and each lane goes in order. The first most important lane is the lane of identity. When we come to Jesus, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ that lives inside of me. And I am identified with Jesus. And when we identify with Jesus, we then live through him by faith. We live through him. And he is our identity. That is the most important truth of Christianity that, believe it or not, Christians get wrong. 
We have to crucify our flesh. I've been, I've been contemplating on what I, where we go from here. We, we've just done a great series on, on church hurt, and, um, and, and I, I just don't, I wasn't sure where we go from here. And, um, and I'm, I'm going out of town twice in the month of August. Um, and, and so I'm like, I'm like oh, man, do I start a whole new series? Um, or do I, do I just do one and done? Or, and that's the language I use, one and done. Um, or do I, do I start a new series? And, and so, so next week, we're going we're gonna to have a, I'm going to do a message that I'm calling the dashboard for your life. But I don't, and I don't know if, if I'm going to continue that um, in a couple weeks when I get back or, or, or not. So um, when I'm away, I want you to know, I wanted to say this. When I'm away, I do not take lightly who speaks up here. I, I do not take it lightly. And so um, the two communicators for the two weeks that I'll be gone in August um, are f- better than I am. They're phenomenal. Um, John Weller is going to speak for us on August the 7th, and I can't wait for him to speak to us. Um, and, then, and then August 21st, we're going to have Matt Joya from the Pines Church in Bangor come down, and he's going to speak for us. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. I didn't say it. Uh, I wasn't going to, but I'm going to go ahead and say this. The last time Matt Joya spoke for us, um, there was a family in our church that came to me, like very valuable family to our church, came to me and said, hey, um, I think God's calling us to help him plant that church. And so they moved to Bangor. So as long as no one, everyone promises me not to move to Bangor, Matt's going to come and speak. <laughs> uh, but it's going to be, they're going to, they're phenomenal guys. But the most important thing that we understand is our identity. When people get baptized today, what they're doing is they're saying that I have identified with Christ. I'm putting to death my old self. I'm burying it. We don't make them get buried in dirt. That's why we bury in water. We, that's, that's also why we baptize by immersion and we don't sprinkle because it's a symbol of our identity in Christ. We put to death the old self and we raise to life the new life, the new identity in Christ. Identity is the most important thing. That's lane one. Lane two is the lane of instruction. And oftentimes we miss the lane of instruction because we've missed the lane of identity. Identity is foundational. I can't say it enough. And so instruction comes from the commands. Identity comes from Christ. Instruction comes from the commands of God. God's word. What happens when people get hurt? Oftentimes they go to the instructions not the identity. Then lane three is the lane of inheritance. And we've talked about all three of these lanes in this series. The lane of inheritance is called community. That's where we find the church. But I want you to see this morning, and this brings me to my big idea for the day. The big idea today, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. The big idea today, the one thing I want you to get is this, that God's protection God's protection plan is community. His protection plan, let me say it this way, his protection plan is the inheritance. It's the, it's the community. And if you understand that truth, you understand why Satan uses the community to hurt people. Because the community is supposed to be the protection. What happens when the protection hurts the people? You get church hurt. I'm going to show you in scripture in just a moment. But I want you to hear me that when I say Satan wants nothing more than to rob you of the inheritance that God has for you. He robs us by our, of our inheritance by showing us and teaching us to emphasize instruction and emphasize inheritance. But when you emphasize anything other than identity, you miss the mark. Luke 24, 
We'll continue our story from the house where Jesus and the disciples are at. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. And then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened. When were their eyes opened? When he broke the bread. And they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Read verse 35. It says this. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them. And as they were walking along the road and how they recognized him as they were breaking bread. Now, Pastor Adam, I didn't hear anything about protection. I didn't hear anything about community. I want to show you two chapters prior Luke writes, and he says this in Luke twenty two nineteen. 19. Jesus, he's, he's talking about Jesus. Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it. Sorry, then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There is no wonder that when Jesus broke the bread, these two disciples, even though they're not in the, in, at the Lord's Supper, they're not there because they're not one of the 12. The 12 were there. But there's no, like, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that Jesus always taught the principle of remembrance. The reason I, I, I believe that is because he teaches the principle of remembrance when Joshua crosses over the Jordan River with the, with the Israelites and he tells Joshua, set up an altar so that when your kids see the altar of stone, they say, why is that there? And you tell them so that we can remember the day that God parted the, the Jordan River and we walked across. We, ha- we observe baptism so we can remember the day that we identified in Jesus in front of a crowd, in front of the community. The community is the protection. The, the remembering is the method. We must remember the goodness of God in our lives. And so, As a church, what we call these two things that we're going to observe today is we've come up with this fancy word, and the word is ordinance. And what an ordinance is, is the the definition of ordinance is something ordained or decreed by fate or deity. In this case, it's decreed by deity. Another definition is is a prescribed usage, practice, or ceremony. A prescribed ceremony. It's an ordained thing. It's it's set up by God. And the two ordinances are the methods of, the methods of protection that God gives us. Baptism and communion, the Lord's Supper. However, both are given to the church for protection. However, they are not just given to the church. They're given to those who identify with Jesus. So, I'm about to blow your mind. <laughs> Baptism is, for the believer is to be observed not whenever the church says we're doing baptisms. Observe daily. Every day, number one, we immerse ourselves in our identity. It has to be all of us, y'all. Has to be all of us. We immerse ourselves in identity. Number two, we unite ourselves in our identity with each other. You know what that means? That means that that. When we see someone not living in their identity, living in their flesh, (laughs) we say to them, hey, that doesn't define you. This last last week, uh, my wife and I were were coming up to the church, and we had like three, four, five things to carry, 20 things to carry, right? And I'm, I'm grabbing stuff, and she... 
she, uh, <laughs> she's like, I, I'm, like, I'm like, honey, I'll, I'll get it. She's like, I want to make myself useful. And I said to her, I go, useful is not your identity. Let me, let me do it. And she looked at me and she goes, are you going to preach all the time now? And you know what I told her? Yeah, I am. Because when identity takes over, we get a new DNA. DNA is who you are. Who you are, you cannot fake. Who you are isn't based on what you do. Who you are is based on who you are. In fact, who you are is based on who your daddy is, who your father is. And because Jesus died on the cross, we can be united with our father once and for all. So today's message is different. And uh, it's different and we have a time of response usually at the end of our service. But I've still got 20 minutes. And the reason for that is because there's a response that happens to God's word. And then after our response today, we're gonna observe baptisms. And then we're gonna observe the Lord's Supper together. And then we're going to celebrate. You're not just celebrating someone's birthday today. You're celebrating the goodness of God. The goodness of God. And if it's anyone's birthday today, happy birthday. Yeah? That's awesome. You know what? I'm going to buy everyone ice cream after service today for your birthday. Okay? But we have to have a response. The question we come to is who have I been putting my identity in? Have I been putting my identity in the pastor? Have I been putting my identity in me? Have I been putting my identity in my family? my job, my gender, my sexuality? Or have I put my identity in the only identity that can save me? The only identity that can make me holy so that I can see the Lord. Identity is not for eternal salvation. Identity is for transformation so that we can become who God always intended us to be. So right where you sit, here's what I wanna do. I want you to, to just close your eyes right where you are. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond. And here's what I want to do today. On that card in front of you, if you respond, would you do me a favor? Would you just fill out the information? The most important information is your name, a way to get a hold of you, and then I'm recommitting to follow Jesus or I'm committing to follow Jesus for the first time. That's it. But there's a way to get a hold of you so that we can come alongside of you and help you. We're not gonna track you down. We're just gonna reach out and say if there's anything you need, any questions you have, we wanna help you. I'm not even gonna ask you to raise your hand this morning. I'm only gonna ask you to fill out that card. 
And then if you want to give it to me, you can give it to me. If you want to drop it in one of the black boxes, you can drop it in one of the black boxes. Or if you want to take it to Guest Central. Either way. If you want a new identity in Jesus this morning, say this prayer with me. It's not the prayer that saves you, but it's the decision in your heart to embrace a new DNA. Say, God, I'm tired of trying on my own. And I need you. I need a supernatural transformation of who I am. By the blood of Jesus, come into my life. Crucify my old self with you. Bring me back to new life in you. And help me live for you to leave an impact in this world. Jesus name I pray amen if you said that prayer please fill out that card I'm going to invite my wife to come forward and to um, to help me with baptisms and uh, I think we've got uh, five this morning that we're going to baptize uh, in our first service and um, I think there's nine or ten signed up for the second service and it's, uh, it's going to be a great day. Uh, come on, youngest first. All right. Oh, listen, look at that warm water. Is it, is it warm? Yeah, it is. Hey, I want everyone to know that I'm going to say some words to... Noel. Noel. I'm going to say some words to Noel. You may not hear me. This is for, for Noel. But I'm telling her, Noel, because you've put your faith in Jesus, because you've found identity in him. How many would love to have put your identity in Jesus at this age? You got a bright future. And because you've done that, it gives us great pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Noel. All right. Halen, come on. Because of that, that's what saves you. This is just you showing everybody that you've made that decision. So it's our privilege to baptize you. Mama Bear. This is Noelle and Halen's mom. Her name is? Krista. Krista started coming and we, coming to the refuge and she showed up and we're like, hey, you're our dog groomer. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty sweet the way God uses relationship to show us identity. Krista, I'm going to stall just a minute just to let the kids come in because they want to see you get baptized. Krista, because you put your faith in Jesus, we've talked about that. It gives me a great privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's go. That's how awesome. Zach, come on over. Man. <laughs> the big boys float. 
Was that appropriate to say? Probably not. I'm so sorry. And they wonder why church hurt happens. My man. This one's special. Zach, because you put your faith in Jesus, your identity's in him. Not in me, not in Tanya, but in Jesus. Have you given your heart to Jesus? Oh, yeah. And this is, by the way, this is Zach. That's him. Zach, it's our privilege to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I love you. Brittany. This one is so special. Uh, last night, I got an email uh, from Brittany asking me, hey, could you send me some things that the Bible says about baptism? When that happens, you know that they understand identity, but also that you understand instruction because your identity comes from Christ. The instruction just says, hey, I'm doing the right thing. I hope that helped. This is Brittany. I'm not going to make her tell you her name. Brittany, have you put your faith in Jesus? Yeah. Because of that, it's our privilege to baptize you. Last time I did this, I said, I'm going to have to bring a change of clothes next time, and I forgot. <laughs> Kathy, you're sweet. Tell everyone your name. Kathy. Kathy, have you given your heart to Jesus? Yes. Because you've done that, your identity's in him. It's been powerful for you, hasn't it? When our identity is firm, it takes care of everything. Mental, emotional, spiritual, it takes care of all of it. I'm excited for you. And because of that, it's our privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, here you go. It's because it's so warm. The water's so warm, it makes you float. That's not scientific, I promise you. Just help me right out. Praise God. Christina, we got one more. Christina, you put your heart and you put your faith in Jesus. Yes. Christina's done this before, just so you know. But she came to us and she said to us, you know, I need to do this again because it's new to me. And there are some things in my past that I have to put to death. today she's putting to death 
the old self. And she's coming up brand new. But it has nothing to do with the act of baptism and everything to do with the God that you put your faith in today. It's our privilege to walk with you through this journey. And because of that, it's our privilege to baptize you today. you guys can can go to the to kids to now and uh, we're gonna do the Lord's Supper observe the Lord's Supper together and um, as the kids walk out if you did not receive a, a cup of, of juice and a cracker would you do me a favor would you just raise your hand really high until someone can come by and bring you a, a juice and a cracker and, um, and we want to make sure that everyone that wants to take communion can do this. Um, notice that my hand is in the air and I haven't put it down yet. <laughs> so that means that I knew we were doing the Lord's Supper and I neglected to get one. <laughs> and so they're, they're bringing those around and as they do that, I'm just going to walk over here and grab mine. Has it been a good day? Don't leave here. We're not going to leave yet. But don't leave here saying, man, that church was incredible. Leave here saying, man, that church really loves Jesus. And not only do they really love Jesus, but they believe in Jesus. And they live Jesus. And their identity is in him. And so we've already read in the scriptures this morning about how Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And when he broke it, that's when the disciples recognized who he was. It's our desire that you would know who Jesus is prior to taking communion. Because you see, they knew who Jesus was, but they didn't recognize him until he broke the bread. So we believe that what, what, what communion does is it unifies us in our identity. Again, communion is a daily act. Baptism is a daily act, daily immersing ourselves in our identity, daily uniting ourselves together in our identity. That's what this does. So the scriptures say that Jesus took first took the bread and when he broke it, he blessed it. So on the top of your cup, there's a cracker. Uh, go to that one first. If you accidentally open the bottom first, I can't help you out there. This guy tells jokes in the middle of communion. It's because, listen, we put emphasis on this being, being sacred. And it's, it's not the sacred that saves you. It's, it's the savior that does. So as we observe this together, we're family. And I don't know about you, but my family likes to tell jokes around the dinner table. So first he took the bread. And if that offends any of you, I'm sorry. But I'm, I'm just secure in the identity that Christ has given me. And I know that this doesn't save me, but that this unifies me and helps me remember the goodness of who he is. And if I get wrapped up in the tradition of this, I'm preaching now and I didn't mean to, and I'm sorry. But if I get wrapped up in the tradition of this 
I lose who he is. Because he wants us to have a good time, but he wants us to know who he is. So he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it. And when he did, he said, do it in remembrance of me. The Bible says, then he took the juice and uh, he took the cup, actually, and he blessed it. And he said, this is my blood that was poured out for you. The body is great. The body, when it was broken, it poured out blood. The Bible in, in, the, in the Old Testament, it talks about how the life is in the blood. We sing an old hymn. There's power in the blood. It's the blood that was shed for us. And when he took the cup, he said, this is my blood that was poured out for you. Do it in remembrance of me. I hope you're glad you came to church today. If you're not glad you came to church today, we're gonna give you ice cream anyway. So our friend, the ice cream man is out front. Ice cream's on the house today. When you give to the Refuge Church, you give through the Refuge Church. I hope today's been special, not just for those baptized, but for those that have been here. And I hope you feel like your hearts have been knitted together today. We're gonna leave on a high note. Everyone stand to your feet. We're gonna sing a song together and then we'll be dismissed. I love y'all. Have a great week.